Fellowship Hall. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then we will jump into the word of the Lord together. Heavenly Father, you are so good, and your mercies are new every morning. The Advent brings hope that you are a God who loves, that you are a God who pursues, that you are a God who forgives, and that you are a God who is willing to step down and be with us. Experience humanity in all of its fullness and then redeem us through the death and resurrection of Christ. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll speak through me this morning, that we will hear your words, that it won't be about what I, what I am or who I am, but it'll be about who you are and what you're about. May it not just be for learning, but for transformation. In your name, amen. Amen. You guys might know by now, I'm, I'm kind of a big picture guy. I like the big picture. I like to, to look at the whole thing and say, wow, look what could be. Look where we could go. And I do this in, in our family as well. I get really excited and I share this big dream or this big vision with Hillary. And I'm like, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be so great. It's going to be awesome. And she begins by saying, okay, well, what about the list of things to get there? Forget the list. It doesn't matter. We don't need to look at those things. Look at this. This big thing is going to happen. But then when we try and move forward and we didn't really deal with the list, there are those things that I didn't see that she already saw that needed to be done. You know, there are things in, in life that I also, often go in unseen. She'll send me to the grocery store and tell me to get three things, and she gives me a list, and I pretend like I can handle it even though it's three things, and I come home with five and two of them like on the list I didn't bring. <laughs> right? It's just really bad. I just I need to be able to focus and look at the things that sometimes I don't see. And the reason I share that is because I think that there are some unseen things in the Bible, in the scriptures, in our Christian walk that we miss, that we don't capture, that we don't see. There are things that, that go unseen in our lives. We're going to look at a story of a guy named Simeon. It's not your typical Christmas sermon. Right? We talk a lot about the manger and we might look at Mary's perspective or Joseph's perspective or the shepherd's perspective or two weeks ago we talked about the wise man's perspective. But shortly after Jesus was born, he was presented in the, the temple and there was a man named Simeon who caught who he was, who understood who Jesus was. He saw something that was unseen. He was looking for it as well. And so I think the first point that we need to understand is that to see what God is doing, we must be looking for it. We must be looking for it. Are we looking for what God is up to? Are we looking for those unseen things? Are we looking at the list that sometimes we would overlook some certain things in our lives? Are we seeing the unseen in our lives? I don't think that many Christians are. I think that many Christians are content to just live the Christian life as easy, cheesy, peasy as they can, and they don't look at the unseen things. They're not looking for the unseen things. They just wanted the title of Christian, and then they move on with their life. That may or may not be you. That may or may not be me, but I see that happen in American Christianity a lot. We don't function a lot like Simeon. But I believe that today in this Advent, God wants us, you and me, that he wants to give us the ability to see the unseen. What is God up to in our midst? What is God up to in the midst of this Advent season? What hope can we capture? 
Because I believe that hope colors our vision. The idea of hope, the advent of hope, is just this idea of expectant hope, knowing for certain that God is going to do what he says he is going to do. And that hope colors our vision, gives us the ability to see that which is unseen. And so as I read the story of Simeon, the question that I feel like God wants us to wrestle with and answer, with, to answer today is how can you and I see the unseen? How can we see the unseen? I'm going to read Luke 2, 25 through 35. And you might not know this about the book of Luke, but Luke was a doctor who specifically had detailed notes of interviews. He would go and, and meet the people that were there when things happened. He had interviews with the people and had in-depth conversations with them. And because he's a doctor, he wrote a lot more than Mark, a lot more than Matthew, and a lot more than John. It's the largest gospel that we have, and it doesn't surprise us, and it probably doesn't surprise Mark Hank because he's a doctor and he knows he writes a lot. Right? That's a joke. No one got it. <laughs> Beth didn't even laugh. That's sad. No, but the reality is, is that Luke wrote this and he was interviewing people. And one of the most beautiful things that I, I look at when I look at the book of Luke is that Luke sat down with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she gave some perspectives that the other gospels don't give. And this story of Simeon is one of those stories. I guarantee that this, was, this came out of Luke's interview with Mary. And so Luke 25 through 35, and we're going to have it on the screen today as well. And we'll try and do that as we dig into the, the, the um, book of John. So the word of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through his own soul also so that thoughts from the many hearts may be revealed. Wow, that's not often a story I hear spoken about or discussed during Christmas. Maybe your experience is different, but I love the story of Simeon. I love the story. If you look at those different areas of how, they, how he's described, he was described as a devout man. He was described as a slave to the Lord. And I believe that the first thing that we can see from his life is to see the unseen, we must become fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. This was a man who was surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He came into the temple because the Holy Spirit led him. He knew that he was going to see the glory of the Lord because the Holy Spirit had revealed it to him. He was a man of whom the Holy Spirit was upon. Now, we don't really know a whole lot about Simeon's life except what is revealed here in the Scriptures. Some commentators would believe that Simeon was roughly 113 years old. 
And we have no idea how long he was waiting for the promise. He might have been waiting for this promise since he was 30 years old. We have no idea. But what we do know is that Simeon was a man controlled by the Holy Spirit of the living God. To see the unseen, we must become fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. You know, the advent of hope, the story of the advent is about Jesus Christ. But let me share with you too, it's also a story of surrender. So Mary surrendered her body and her image. Joseph surrendered his image and married a woman who was pregnant out of wedlock. The wise men surrendered two plus years of their life and treasure in their experience of bringing it to Jesus. And Simeon surrendered years and years and years of his time waiting for the consolation of Israel. So the story of hope, the advent of hope, begins with surrender. Now that's not usually something that people say, Woo, I'm excited, I'm so hopeful because I get to surrender everything. Yes! It's like on Christmas Day, you get all your gifts and your mom's like, okay, now you need to surrender those to everybody else. <laughs> right? That's not an exciting moment. But the reality is, is if we are going to see the unseen, if we're going to see what Simeon saw, we have to be controlled and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. You see, there were several people that walked into the temple that day. Several people that saw the baby Jesus with their eyes but they didn't see him through the lens of the Holy Spirit, through the lens of hope. But Simeon saw who Jesus was. Are you and I surrendering to the Holy Spirit to see the unseen in our lives, to see the unseen in our midst? I love this idea of, of this description of Simeon, who was a devout man. That word devout can, be, can also mean one who is concerned with the things of God. Are you and I people who are concerned with the things of God? Or are we concerned with the things of life? Are we concerned with the things of job? Are we concerned with the things of family? Are those the things that are overtaking all of our focus? Because when I go to the store and Hillary has given me that list of three things, I lose all focus because I'm like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. And all of a sudden, the list is no longer important because I get distracted by all the other things that I really want. And I don't even text her or call her and say, what do you want? I'm just like, that's chocolate. It's mine. But how often do we do that in our faith where we lose focus of the things of God and we focus on the things of ourselves? I want to challenge us this, this Advent to be concerned with the things of God. There are things that you and I are missing in our Christian walk. There are things that you and I are missing that God is doing around us that we're not joining into because we're not focusing on the right stuff. We're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The next thing that we see in the life of Simeon is to see the unseen, we must relinquish our timelines. We must relinquish our timelines. Let me share with you that story of Simeon, the narrative of Simeon. We, we don't really know, again, how long he waited. But I guarantee he waited a long, long time. He was patient, and he waited for the consolation of the Lord. And he waited upon God's timeline. 
How many times do we read the scriptures or we have a promise that we know is from the Lord for our lives and our timelines conflict with it? We say, no, we've got to do this now. We've got we've to get this now. God, where are you? Why aren't you following my timeline? It's about me. Don't you remember? And we miss the fact that it's about him and his timeline, him and his agenda, not our own. Listen, in our American culture and in in the Western society in general, it is really difficult to remember that. It's really difficult to remember that it's not about us. That our Christian walk is not about us. It's about what he is doing, about what he can do through us and in us. But too often we get distracted with ourselves and we miss the, the timeline of the Lord. Something interesting about this idea of the timeline of the Lord is that when Simeon praises the Lord when he sees the baby, he says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He knows he's seen what God has promised, but he labels himself in something interesting. That word is in Greek, servant, is doulos, which actually means slave. He's saying, Now you can let your slave go in peace. I can come home to you because I've been slaving, waiting, hoping, expecting for this moment, and you finally brought it. How many of us in our Christian walk would say, Lord, I am your slave, and mean it? How many times is our Christian life actually looking like we are slaves to the timeline of the Lord? Now, slaves has such a a bad view in our current society But if we are slaves to the Lord, what we're saying is, it's not about my life. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. If you tell me to go and work in the mud, I'm going to go and work in the mud. If you tell me to go to China and work in China, I'm going to work in China. If you tell me to go into Indiana, the streets of Indiana, and work with the homeless, I'm going to go and work there. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go. How many of us would really go immediately? I have to ask myself that very question. How many of us are really, truly, honestly slaves of the Lord? You see, the hope of the Advent is that God is proving himself over and over again during the Christmas season, and of reminding us of this anticipation of the coming of the King, but also the anticipation of his second coming. And we can await that time. We can wait in patient hope and expectant that God is going to do what he's going to do. But we have a part to play as the slaves of the Lord to bring about the second Advent. I know I I talk with many Christians, they say, oh, I can't wait for Jesus to come. And many times my question is, well, what are you doing to help that process? Are you living in the process of helping the second advent? Are you anticipating with hope and expectation that he's coming? To see the unseen, it cannot be about our timelines. It has to be about his. So the next thing that we can see in the story of Simeon, which is kind of a, a backwards look, but I'll explain it. Arresting control from God hinders the work of God. Now we see the opposite in Simeon's life. He gave over control to God, and God could do his work in the life of Simeon. But when you and I try to arrest control from God, you and I can actually hinder the work of God. Imagine if Simeon was not listening to the Holy Spirit. Imagine if he wasn't spending time waiting patiently in hopeful expectation that the promise would come for him to see the Messiah. Imagine if he was going throughout all of Jerusalem, knocking on everyone's door and saying, Is your baby the Messiah? Is your baby the Messiah? Or anybody that was coming into the temple? Oh, bless you, this is the baby Messiah. Nope, not the right one. This is the Messiah. Could you imagine? 
He would miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. He would not have been there for the moment of Jesus, the work of promise that had been in his life. He would have overlooked. But he waited, and he listened, and he hoped, and he expected, and he saw that which many people missed that day. You and I cannot seek to arrest control from the Lord and expect everything to happen the way he promises. Because anything that you and I touch, we wreck. Guaranteed. If you tell me to come over to your house and fix something, I'm going to wreck it. Do we, are we trying to arrest control from the Lord? Simeon recognized that God was in control. That's why he could honestly call himself a slave to the Lord. God is in control. I just follow his orders. I just do as he requires, and he surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys remember the commercial uh, back in, in the day. I don't even remember how long ago the day was back then. But there was this, this commercial about, do you want your money immediately after you get into a wreck or into an accident? And there were these random people that were in their houses, and they opened their windows, and they would scream, I want my money, and I want it now. Does anybody remember that commercial? Okay. All the teenagers are like, what? People actually did that? Yes. It was a crazy commercial, but many times when it comes to our timelines or our desires or our control, that's what we say to God. We say, I want it all now. Simeon, from his story, we can see that's not how he treated the Lord. He waited and waited and waited and waited. That's a powerful story. You and I must become bondservants of the Holy Spirit so that we, like Simeon, can see the unseen. We must become bondservants to the Holy Spirit. You see, in that, there's a freedom in surrender. There's a hope that comes with that. Because if you and I put all of everything upon our shoulders, we know, we know that it would fail. We know that we would slip up. We know that we're going to mess up eventually. But God never will. And so are we putting it in the hands of the Lord? Are we filled with expectancy that when we allow God to control the stuff in our lives or everything that he's promised or what the scripture promises to us, are we living in expectancy now that it's going to happen once we relinquish control? Because Simeon sure did. Simeon waited with expectancy. He was certain that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. So certain that when he saw the Messiah, he's like, all right, take me home. I'm done. It's happened. Your promise has come true. Let's go. I can now go in peace. He was so certain that Jesus was the one and that God was filling his promises, fulfilling his promises. Because I believe that expectancy brings the unseen into focus. No one knows how long he waited again for this promise. We have no idea how long he was waiting for that but he never ex stopped expecting it to happen. How often in our lives when we hear a promise from the Lord or we feel like the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us or challenging us or calling us to something, how often do we expect it to happen or we just say, okay, that was really nice, that, that felt really nice on a Sunday. We don't expect God to actually show up. Expectancy is key in our relationship with the Lord. It brings the unseen into focus. 
He didn't try to make it happen again, but Simeon patiently and expectantly awaited the fulfillment of the promise. Which brings us to another point, is that patience and expectancy are not contradictory. I think many times if we feel like we, we have to be patient, we have to wait, and we have to linger, and we have to, to continue to long and anticipate that somehow we're losing our expectancy. And sometimes that long waiting period can zap us of our expectancy. All of Israel, the reason why the Advent is so, remember why we do the, the Advent of, of the wreath uh, of Advent, is because we need to remind ourselves of the deep anticipation that Israel had. The longing that they had. And many people in Israel gave up hope. They gave up their expectancy. But patience and expectancy are not contradictory. If we have the patience that comes from the Lord, we know that we can wait in patience. I'm a very impatient person. My wife can attest. My kids can attest. I'm very impatient. So this is a difficult thing for me. But I look at the story of Simeon and recognize that when God promises something, he is going to show up. I need to anticipate and expect him to. So I don't miss it when he does. Because I believe that I've missed a lot of things. That God has said, I'll be expectant of this to happen. And I missed it. I wasn't there looking and focusing on the right thing. That doesn't mean that God can't bring it around again. But my friends, we need to be expectant. We also need to be patient, waiting for the Lord. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, that there's something that God is calling you to or something that he is saying specifically to you is a promise, hold on to it. Don't throw it out. Expect it to come true. When you've tested the word from the Lord and you've experienced conversations with people and they say, yeah, I believe that's a promise for you, hold on to it with expectant faith, knowing that God will show up. Don't lose your patience. Maybe God has promised healing in a certain area of your life and you know that the Lord spoke it, expect it to happen, but don't put it on your timeline. Don't say it has to happen right now or God's not real. Too often we do some stuff like that, but Simeon did not. He patiently waited and expected the Lord to show up. I believe that the lack of expectancy embraces the mundane instead of the magnificent. God has magnificent things to do in our lives. But how many Christians walk in a mundane, boring Christian life? My friends, the Christian walk was never meant to be boring. Ever. If we get bored, there's something that we're missing. There's a lack of expectancy. When God brings promises, we say, wow, look at what God says about the children of God. I mean, look at what he says. And we doubt it, and we don't walk through it. We live in the mundane rather than the magnificent. But God wants to show us and do extremely magnificent things in our lives. Are we expecting him to show up? Imagine for a second that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to come to church. He's not because there's a game later today. Right? Or, or, I don't know, Bebo Norman is coming to church. Who, who, whoever's really popular to you or you know, someone that you would really be excited. So for me, Ben Roethlisberger is coming to church. And if, if I know that and I, I expect him to show up and I know he's going to be there, I might just call my friends and say, you might want to come to church today because Ben Roethlisberger is going to show up and it's going to be great. He's going to have a conversation with us about Jesus because he does love Jesus, by the way. But anyways, there's this, this expectant moment that I'm going to tell everybody that this person is coming. I'm so excited for them to come. 
come. There's going to be an invitation that this person will be at church. Well, guess what, my friends? God is here. How often are we saying, God's coming to church today. Whoa, Jesus is coming. You go into the coffee shop, hey, you need to show up to my church because Jesus is going to be there. Why don't we get excited about that? We should. He's way cooler than Ben Roethlisberger. Like, way cooler. But are we expecting him to show up? We should. And I had a conversation with Rock Dillman, my, my pastor, my uh, preaching mentor. And he said this. He, he just says random quick things. You're just like, i got to write that down. So I wrote it down. He said this. A lack of invitation shows a lack of expectation. Woo! That one hurt. Because if I'm not inviting people into the community of God, if I'm not saying you need to show up this Sunday because when we worship the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes, God speaks, God is doing something in our church, you need to come. If there's a lack of invitation, there's probably a lack of expectation. And that's not to shame anyone, that's not to point fingers and say, you should be bringing your friends every Sunday. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that no one should have to tell you that. Saying that we should expect God to show up. That we should expect to have a fresh word from the Lord. I know that convicts me. <laughs> it's a challenge that, that I want us to take up and say, wow, are we expecting God? Like Simeon, as he was expecting God to show up, he was moving in the Spirit. The Spirit told him, go to the temple. That's why it says he was in the Spirit walking to the temple. He was listening to the Lord and expected. He knew he was going to see the Messiah. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he's like, yep, that's the one. God, you are faithful. God, you are good. <laughs> I am your slave. I am your servant. And then he began to prophesy over Jesus. Now, here's the thing. He was not a priest. He was not a disciple. He was kind of an ordinary Joe. That God put his spirit upon and spoke to. So you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be you know, an elder. You don't have to be on the trustee board. You don't have to be some super rock star Christian, whatever that looks like. The normal Joe, you and me, can hear from the Lord. We can expect to meet God. Every time we open the word, we should expect to meet the living God. Because God is alive and God is speaking God has spoken, and he's speaking. Man, that's powerful stuff. I get, get really jazzed about that. I think many times, <clears throat> without living in expectancy of the fulfillment of God's promises, those promises simply become doctrines we hold to and not realities we hope to see. Now, doctrines are good. Doctrines are important for us to hold on to. Doctrines are important for us to study and have a, a, a known theology in our minds and in our hearts. But sometimes doctrine can be boring. Like if you go to a doctrinal class and you begin to learn about it, you could say, I'm bored. But expectancy, my friends, brings theology to life. Because when we read about the doctrine of the coming king, when we read about the end times but Jesus is going to come, Man, that should bring some passion. Man, that should bring some joy. Man, we should be saying, how can I help make that happen? Because he needs to come again. He needs to come and rescue his people. He needs to come and rescue the world. He needs to bring the sword. We need Jesus now. But you and I, we have a part to play in that. 
It's not just coming to church on Sunday and listening. It's not just reading Mission 119 through the Bible to check off a checklist. There are things that God is doing that we're not seeing. And there's things that he's calling us to do that we're missing. Because we're not living with expectant hope. Expectancy brings theology to life. It's not just, it's not, not at all a dusty book. It is a living book. And it should be alive because God is alive and God spoke life into this. Every believer has the same opportunity to have a living theology. All of us. Sorry, I'm losing my breath. I was just so excited. <laughs> the season of Advent is the season of hopeful anticipation. Where we take time to eagerly await the arrival of the King. It is a practice that we should maintain throughout the year. That we should eagerly be anticipating the arrival of the king. And in scripture it says that the Holy Spirit, where two or more are gathered, I am there. You see, we have a biblical promise that when we gather together in the name of the Lord, that the presence of the king is here. We can expect God to show up. We can expect God to speak directly to our hearts and directly to our lives. We can anticipate and expect that. Do we? Do I? Do you? Man, let's expect God to show up this season and for the rest of our lives. This is the hope of Advent, that we have a God who came and a God who is here. So how can we see the unseen? How can we become bond servants of the Holy Spirit? Here's a word that you're going to hear me say often, and I will tell you till I'm blue in the face, and then after I've passed out. Intimacy. How do we see the unseen? How do we live in hopeful expectation? How do we get to that place of knowing the King is going to show up? We've got to have intimacy with Him. We've got to spend time with him. We've got to be knowing who he is. Because here's the truth. You and I will never, ever, ever allow someone we don't know to control our lives. You just wouldn't let it happen. And so intimacy is key to expectancy. Because intimacy creates expectancy. When we're intimate with the Lord and we know who he is and we know his heart and we know his passion and we can hear his voice and we can read his word and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we are intimate with him, we will expect more. We'll begin to expect more in our lives. We'll begin to beg the Lord to show up. We'll say, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to see what you're doing. I'm not going to ignore the list and go to the store and forget all those things that I was supposed to get. Show me. Show me. Let me focus on your tasks and not my own. Expectancy is a powerful truth in our lives, but we can't get there without intimacy. So that's one of the reasons why I feel compelled to challenge us to go through Mission 119 so that you can create space in your day to have a deeper intimacy. Many people say, where do I begin? Where do I begin with the Bible? Where do I begin to study? Where do I begin to know God? Where do I begin to have intimacy? This is a tool where you can begin. Let me challenge you. Challenge myself. 
so that we could go through and we can even talk, we can have experience on Sunday where you say, man, Kate, did you read that? Did you hear what John Soper said? Did you, did you see what the scripture said this week? And you might just find that God is going to speak directly to you and your situation based off of that week or that day's reading. He's like that. So let's expect God to show up. Let's expect to meet the living God because he came. Let's pray. Father, you are good. <laughs> it's unfathomable to think of all that you have done for us. God, I pray that we as a church and that we as individuals will be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The story of Advent is a story of surrender. And the biggest surrender was Jesus surrendering his throne and stepping into humanity. May we follow his example of surrender. May we surrender control to you and experience the freedom that surrender brings. And God, I pray for a passionate expectation. And that that expectation will cause us to invite people into the process of what you're doing. You are doing so much among us already. We pray for more. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I was sitting there feeling while he was getting it.